Across the world, new threats emerge. Man-apes prowl the forests of North America. Giant cephalopods entwine ships in the Pacific. Man-eating crocodiles gnash unsuspecting swimmers in Australia. But one bureau has you covered with the latest on monstrous shenanigans in your backyard. Tune in, gentle listeners, for breaking news fresh from the teletype. Listen closely, for your lives may depend on it. Turn up the volume. It's time for... The Monster Report! Good day, gentle listeners. We have breaking news fresh from the teletype. Dateline, April 9th in the year 2022. Here's the latest from our Nassau Post. Mermaid attack kills one and injures three in the Bahamas. A mermaid attack has left a man dead and three others injured this morning. A group of divers on Long Island, about 100 miles southeast of Nassau, encountered a Bahamian killer mermaid. The group were attendees of a destination wedding party. This marks the fifth attack in the Caribbean since New Year's Day. Jean-Pierre Clemenceau of Montreal, Canada died during the dive near Dean's Blue Hole. The murderous mermaid appeared to the diving party 60 feet underwater. The monster then clawed three nearby members, including Clemenceau's newlywed wife. Ernie Bertrand, a member of the diving party, says, Poor Jean-Pierre just swirled around and around as that thing slashed him. It sunk its claws into him and ripped him apart. I hope he drowned or bled out before that fiend ate him. Witnesses said there was a neon green glow along the hole's wall. The diver swam closer to investigate when the monster attacked Clemenceau, the closest diver. It took two tail flips to propel itself 100 feet in just a few seconds. The mermaid slashed Clemenceau's air tube. Then, it turned toward the other divers and clawed them along their stomachs in a lightning-fast move. The water became clouded with blood and bubbles from the panicked group. The divers saw the mermaid's tail whip back and forth and twist around Clemenceau. It disemboweled the man and tore his limbs off. The divers said they tried to help, but they had to surface for air. They saw the mermaid swim away with Clemenceau's torso while going back to the surface. The surviving diver's injuries were not life-threatening. This attack is the latest in a string of deadly encounters. Four other mermaid incidents have been reported in Jamaica, Grenada, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Puerto Rico since January 1st. This is the first deadly attack. In other cases, the mermaids slashed swimmers and snorkelers but swam away after that. Those encounters involve different mermaid subspecies than the Bahamian attack. Dr. Kimberly Fostick of Miskatonic University in Massachusetts says the Bahamian mermaid is normally shy and reclusive. It prefers to remain far out at sea and not get involved with land dwellers. There's new research into why a Bahamian mermaid would kill a human. Stay tuned for that field report coming up next. We will soon hear from Dr. Kimberly Fosdick, a marine cryptozoologist from Miskatonic University. She specializes in killer sea monsters. 
One moment, gentle listeners, while I dial Dr. Fosdick with our super secret punch code. This is Fosdick. Hello, Dr. Fosdick. We have you live on the Monster Report. What can you tell us about the scene? To be quite frank, I've never seen anything quite like this before. We're still processing the scene in its entirety. There are pieces of him everywhere, and keeping them contained has been a real nightmare. Uh, We have managed to secure a few pieces. We've identified uh, a part of his bowels, I believe, as well as his left hand, which does indeed have the wedding ring still on it. Uh, Our preliminary findings are that this is absolutely the work of Bahamian mermaid. There is no question in my mind. The manner of attack, the viciousness, as well as the scarcity of what has been left behind. On top of that, the blood in the water is attracting a number of sharks to the area. Uh, Thankfully, the sharks seem to be having a, a positive effect. They are acting as a deterrent for this mermaid to be returning to the scene to try to pick anyone else off. My crew has been a little anxious getting in the water with everything that we're seeing. What makes this different from other mermaid encounters? Well, one of the main differences you're going to be seeing between your Bahamian mermaid and other types is that typically Bahamian mermaids go out of their way to avoid human interactions. So unlike others of their brethren, uh, they are a very solitary creature. They are a solitary hunter. They prefer that to to the group hunting that you're going to see more common in some of the other mermaid species. Now, your average mermaid, they are looking to camouflage their presence. They want to blend in with the surroundings. They want to avoid detection. Your Bahamian mermaid, they're quite different. They glow to lure their prey in, much like you see the anglerfish. This also allows them to lure their prey deeper into the open water. Now, the speed of their attack is unparalleled. Once they strike, they continue this assault on their prey, literally tearing them to pieces. Now, other species of mermaids, they'll swipe or they'll bite at you once. And again, you are looking at this being used primarily as a defensive measure to protect themselves and buy them time to get away. What we're seeing here today, this is very, very different. This was frenzied. This was a feeding attack. And once an attack has started, there's almost nothing you can do to save yourself. So, Dr. Fosdick, what would drive a normally passive mermaid to kill and eat a human. We're looking at a number of factors here. Now, there is definitely a correlation between the loss of the Bahamian's primary food source and this wave of new human attacks we are seeing much closer to shore. In previous years, an attack such as this would have been unprecedented. But the food scarcity is forcing these predators to become bolder. In previous years, mermaids would be known to drown a human, maybe unoccasionally eat one. 
But what we've been seeing is that the human population has grown, and the mermaid population has been shrinking. So this has become a much less common occurrence. So it is absolutely this loss of their primary food source that is making these mermaids come closer and closer to shore, closer and closer to where the humans are. However, there is another reason, uh, a much more, if, I, if I'm going to be quite frank, a much more alarming and frightening reason. A virus has been detected in these waters. A virus? What does this bug do to mermaids? We believe that this bug is attacking the mermaid's brain, which is increasing the rage and prey drive, fueling these vicious, vicious attacks. And my fear and the fear of many of my colleagues is what is going to happen when this virus transfers to humans. <gasps> I'm not trying to scare any of your fair listeners. But we need to look at this very real possibility that this virus will spread. And what is it going to do to the people it spreads to? So, Dr. Fosdick, what can people do to avoid mermaids while they're out swimming, diving, or snorkeling? <laughs> well, the only guaranteed way to avoid a mermaid attack is indeed to stay out of the water. But for those of you that must go in, you need to be smart. You need to stay aware of your surroundings. If something seems odd, if everything around you goes quiet, do not be brave. Do not investigate it. You need to get yourself back to shore. Sharks are your friends. Sharks and mermaids avoid each other. If there are sharks, there will be no mermaids. Swim with a group. Carry a weapon, because the mermaids always have their weapon on hand. Their claws put any knife to shame. A spear gun is going to be your best defense. If you encounter a mermaid, do not startle it. Maintain direct eye contact. Make your body as large as you can make it and swim in a backwards motion. This is very important. Keep your hands flapping as you swim. This will deter a mermaid from approaching you. Once you have safely gotten to land, call the Miskatonic University's cryptozoology line to report your encounter and allow the professionals to deal with it. Thank you for your time, Dr. Fosdick, and good luck with your research. Thank you for having me. And now for a personal story from you, our gentle listeners. We've just received a story from the Postal Service. This letter comes from a listener named Kate, a student at the University of Virginia. Her mermaid encounter happened five years ago when she was 14 years old. Kate says her family took their big vacation to Croatia, her dad is a professor, an archaeologist, and rented a house near Zadar. It's about an hour north of Split on the Dalmatian coast. Kate wrote, We actually got a cottage for a week on one of the islands off the coast. We had to take a ferry into town. From our little stone cottage, you can go down to the beaches. They had white sand and turquoise water. 
The water was so warm and clear, you could see to the bottom. The Adriatic Sea has some of the best water in the world, and I felt so lucky. One morning, and it was next to the last day that we'd be in Croatia, I went with my older sister and dad down to the beach. It was something like eight in the morning. We were going to have a little breakfast picnic while my mom slept in. We spread out the red and white checkered blanket on the white sand and pulled out some fruit and croissants. But my dad forgot the OJ and glasses, so he and my sister left to go get them. I waded out into the water and felt the smooth rocks and sand under my toes. I started to swim out a bit more, and I could see jagged rock formations. There's a lot of these little rocky islets along the coast. On one of them, I saw a boy just sitting there. I think he had been fishing because I could see a fish flopping around next to him. I swam toward him, and at this time, I may have been a hundred feet offshore. I said, Zdravo, that's high in Croatian, and waved. I thought he waved me to come over to him, and I couldn't make out his face or much of his features, but he looked odd. He had long, dark hair, crumpled or crimped, and he was really pale like a sheet of paper, which was really odd. I mean, it's summer in Croatia and it's hot. I'd be worried he'd get sunburned. And to me, he looked about 10 to 12 years old, so a few years younger than me. I came within 20 feet of him when I could tell something wasn't right. He grabbed the fish and bit into its belly and ripped off a chunk of meat. I was about to puke when I noticed his hands. They were webbed and he had long nails, a few inches long and black. I looked back to shore to see how far I was and if my dad came back, but no one was at our picnic site. Then I turned back to the boy and he stood on the rock. He had legs, but his feet were different. They looked like an NBA player's feet with nails just as long as his fingers and they were webbed too. He had curled them around the side of the rock. Then he dove in, but he didn't make a sound. No splash. It's like he cut right through the water without a sound. A second later, his head popped up next to me. He had inky black eyes, kelp for hair, and thin lips. I said Zdravo again, but it didn't seem like he understood me. I started to swim backwards, gently treading water and inching away. He dove again to the bottom and picked something up. It was an oyster, and he put his finger claw into its lip and popped it open. There wasn't a pearl in it. I smiled and giggled. We treaded water when I heard my dad call my name. I turned to swim back and wave goodbye to the fish boy. I mean, I didn't know what else to call him. As I began to swim, he grabbed my ankle and his claw sliced into me and I screamed. I think that scared him because he looked at me with wide eyes like he didn't mean to do it. And then I felt a burn on my ankle and an electric shock shoot through me. I passed out after that. My dad said he swam out to get me. When I woke up, I was in a hospital in Zadar. I had to get stitches where his claws raked me. I also had a second degree burn from the shock. The doctors and nurses thought I was attacked by a Mediterranean moray eel, but the claw marks weren't like an eel bite and they can't shock you. I stayed in the hospital overnight and we came home a few days later. It took me about two weeks to recover and I still have a few scars from getting slashed. Anyway, I don't go swimming in the ocean anymore. I just stick to the pool now. Thanks for sharing your story, Kate. And thank you, gentle listeners, for tuning in to this week's Dateline Report. Next time, the Monster Report will bring you the latest on an outbreak of sentient killer bees. 
If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share The Monster Report with your friends. Special thanks to Kim Douthit for playing the role of Dr. Fosdick. You can find out more about Kim at kimdouthit.com. That's K-I-M-D-O-U-T-H-I-T.com. She's also co-host of the Ghoulish Tendencies podcast. Check it out on your favorite podcast player. If you like ghost stories, listen to the Ghostly Activities podcast, available on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. As always, be careful and stay on the lookout for monsters. <laughs>